It's a beautiful day and a fine time for healing. Podcast host Randy Fine, a narcissistic abuse expert and the author of the groundbreaking book, Close Encounters of the Worst Kind, and the captivating memoir, Cliff Edge Road, invites you into her sanctuary, a place where your physical, emotional, and spiritual well-being are all that matter. So put your feet up, relax, and enjoy today's show. And now, here's Randy. Good morning. Thank you for tuning in to listen to A Fine Time for Healing. I am your show host, Randy Fine. I hope you're all doing well out there. I know with this Omicron variant, um, everybody is getting sick, and um, I'm trying to stay home and avoid it. So um, hopefully if you're listening, you're feeling well. If not, I hope that you get well soon. Today's story is about special guest Laura Sabanash's encounter with domestic violence and the aftermath of this all-too-common ongoing situation in society today. Her new book, Caged, is the true, never-be-told other side of an international headline story, international headline story that captivated audiences around the world in 2015. From the Today Show, NBC News, small town newspapers, to Al Jazeera, everyone told their own version of the events that left Laura and her daughters exiled. The commanding officer of Guantanamo Bay's naval base dismissed and her husband dead. January 9, 2015, Christopher Turr, a civilian worker at Guantanamo Bay's naval base, went missing. On January 11th, this is two days later, his body was found and his wife, Laura Sabanash, was left to deal with the aftermath of what took place at the time and the events leading up to that moment, forcing her to examine more than 20 years of abuse and the denial and deceits that occur in all households subjected to domestic violence. Caged is a window into the toughest moments of Sabanash's life, moments no one should ever have to endure, but she did. Laura Sabanash grew up in various parts of the country and for a time lived overseas in Guantanamo Bay, where she was an education service facilitator at the Fleet and Family Support Center. And she became acting director in December of 2013. She spent much of her adult life as a wife, mother, and student, eventually completing two doctoral degrees. And she is currently retired from government service. She has quite a story to tell, and um, it is a relatable one for many of you uh, in, in parts. So we're going to get started. Good morning, Laura, and welcome to A Fine Time for Healing. Good morning. Thank you for having me. It is my pleasure to have you. So um, I have read your book, Caged. Uh, You have been through so much. But why don't you tell us briefly, you know, because I know in these situations, when you first meet someone who is a domestic abuser or, you know, domestic violator, um, they're usually wonderful. So tell us how all this began and, you know, how and where it turned bad. Sure. You know, the idea that uh, individuals have that, you know, they come in and we would know right away that somebody is not a good person uh, isn't how it happens at all. They they are a knight in shining armor. Uh, I met my late husband. I was 19 years old. And he was not like anyone I had ever met before. He was, uh, he was active duty at the time. And I was in college. So he was uh, older. And, um, you know, we were just a couple years apart. But, you know, he had done, he had, he was an adult in my world and uh, a real adult. And he had been places and gone Uh, and done things that I had never experienced. And to me, uh, the individuals I had dated were, and 
uh, still in party mode, you know, I was, I was a college kid. And so he was just unique. And um, so when we had begun dating, there was no, uh, we didn't fight. And it was so romantic. And his gestures were so sweet and the flowers. And, uh, you know, we lived uh, so far apart at the time. And, you know, if I he would come home on weekends and surprise me and the phone calls and uh, presents. And it was, it was very, it was very kind. It wasn't anything that I had ever experienced. And, you know, but I was young, I was 19. And so it, I got caught up in um, a very storybook like situation Uh, so much that I was starting to separate from a path that I was very focused on. I was at the time I was focused on my degree and education and a path that, you know, I for a life that I had chosen for myself. And instead I wrapped myself up into an individual and his path. And I was giving up everything for somebody else. And it sounds I mean, who wouldn't fall for that? Who wouldn't go for that, I should say? Who wouldn't want who wouldn't want to be attracted to that? So it just seems only natural. And especially when you're 19 and you really don't have a lot of life experience except for, like you say, uh, the life experience of a, of a college kid. And that's not sure. real life. So right. In my experience it, up to that point, you know, in college was uh, fraternity uh, guys and, you know, <laughs> and so it was my, I looked at, you know, uh, Friday, Saturday, you know, fraternity parties or uh, to me, a man in uniform who in, in, in all, uh, in, in the package, he had a, a, an honorable job and I thought he had his everything together and, you know, he was, uh, he, he was responsible and, you know, he was, the world revolved uh, in my mind. He, he only wanted to focus on me and, you know, he was kind. And uh, so the, to me, and he would say things, it was us against the world. I didn't need anybody else but him. Mm-hmm. And so I believed those words. I didn't need anything else. I didn't need anyone but him. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. At 19, that is just a dream come true. Well, um, yeah. Now, at some point, he was going to go overseas or go, move to Guantanamo Bay. I can't really remember which, which one it was, and that was going to be, that was going to divide sure. you. Yeah. He, it was. So um, we, it was a very quick, uh, you know, the, the whirlwind romance part. So we had, um, you know, we met uh, while I was home on a Christmas break from college, and the uh, following uh, year, we it was Thanksgiving of the following year, and um, I, I, when I mean I gave up a lot, I uh, withdrew from the college I was at to come home to be closer for his, his traveling um, and moved back in with my parents and rolled back in school. And uh, then uh, he proposed, uh, and, you know, Looking back, there were a lot of red flags, but I didn't see them. And so we were engaged, and right before we got married, uh, I found out that I was pregnant. And within two weeks of uh, him being told he was being deployed, I was, we were married. And uh, so I, uh, he proposed on my birthday, I found out I was pregnant, and he was deployed overseas. And so we weren't even together a year at this point. And then I had to say goodbye. And uh, so, and the we had in the papers it was published we were married, and uh, I was supposed to join him overseas. And um, that Christmas, uh, 
So we had a beautiful Christmas wedding, very intimate, uh, even snowed, beautiful pictures. And then uh, shortly after he arrived uh, to his duty station, he informed me that um, due to military uh, issues, I was not allowed to join him um, in his duty station. I was devastated. And so here I am, a new uh, military spouse, pregnant, living with my parents, and I was now not able to join him. And so we had to spend um, most of our first year married apart um, with, now this is before, uh, all of the fancy uh, social media and, uh, you know, uh, long-distance calling and, you know, things that we could, people can do now. So our phone bills were like mortgage payments. And uh, so we were a lot of calling and old-fashioned letter writing, uh, which often got lost in the mail. And um, so he was, at the time, um, as my pregnancy progressed, there was a lot of stress involved. And as I neared the end, um, I started having some complications. And uh, what I thought was, um, so my doctor had sent a Red Cross message and um, to have him come home because I was having some issues. And uh, he arrived shortly after uh, on a Red Cross message. And he came home, and um, and I used to tell this story when I was teaching uh, classes uh, for service members transitioning. But uh, my father had taken me. I was so big when I was pregnant that uh, when he came home, I was so excited that he passed right by me in the airport because he didn't recognize me. Because wow. <laughs> I, uh, I had gained like 50 pounds and my hair was short and I waddled in. And as he saw my dad, he was looking for me and my dad had to point and say, uh, no, you just passed her. And, uh, and his look on his face was like, oh, <laughs> oh. <laughs> and... Um, so we got back uh, to the apartment because while he was gone, I had to pick out the apartment, all of our furniture, all of our stuff. And um, yeah, I was just so excited he was home. And in my mind, he was, he was supposed to be now home waiting orders because he would be getting out of the military um, with this Red Cross. And um, we got into the apartment and... That was the first time I had ever experienced his anger in the time that I since I had met him um, was the moment we walked into our apartment and because when he looked around at the items I had picked up, he was so angry at my choices, he made me um, pack up instead of the excitement of seeing your wife in, you know, so many months. He had me um, pack up all the bedding, and he was just disgusted with what I had done. Oh, and gosh. I was crushed. I'll bet you were. And I was devastated. And that was how we marked the first time we had seen each other since he had left on deployment. Um, you know, what do you tell yourself? Because I know I was in a relationship where I was constantly, it was with um, an addict, um, and I was constantly being crushed, constantly, constantly. And I remember just that feeling of being so crestfallen that, like, you just have nothing left. But then I would tell myself, I would rationalize things, and I would rationalize it away. So uh, that I could then go on. So what did you tell yourself at that moment? Well, you know, for me, um, you know, I I do remember, you know, they were, in those moments, you know, I had, um, well, I I looked at, the reason I was so big was, you know, I I could have eaten less. Um, I know I was pregnant, but, you know, I, I could have, 
I could have not been so fat. Um, then it was, you know, well, I made these choices, but I didn't. I could have thought about the fact that this wasn't just my apartment. Uh, you know, I, I could have bought things that were more appealing to two people, not one person. So I, I did apologize. You know, mm-hmm. this wasn't, um, the, and, and that's where it began. You know, I'm so sorry. I'm sorry that I, I didn't think about that you might, these are not your choices and these are not our choices. And, um, and I looked at the idea that, you know, oh, he's tired. He's had a long flight. He's stressed out. And then he apologized too. So I was like, oh, it's okay. I'm, you know, of course you're tired. Do you want to lay down? Can I get you something? Um, so we moved past those things. Um, and I did take them personally. But then I was like, oh, you're just being, you're just being crazy. You're just being silly. Mm-hmm. And you're emotional. You're an emotional pregnant woman. Right. Um, so you took, you took full ownership of it instead of looking at him. Ownership. Right, exactly. Which is what, you know, because, because what he had done prior to that was love bomb you. And so, of course, you would take ownership because this wasn't the person you knew. This wasn't the person you fell in love with and married. So it had to be you, you know, that's how you feel, right? Absolutely. It had right. to be you. You know, to me, I had to have changed. I was the one pregnant. I was the one who got fat. I was the one who cut my hair. Um, I was the one who was different. So clearly I was the one here who needed to be a better person um, to stop being, um, you know, to stop acting the way I was. Um, and each instance that went from there, I went back and had to think of what did I do? I needed to stop being that person. Um, and every instance after, you know, it became where I would apologize for being that bad. It was like a bad child. I was a bad child. And he was telling me what I needed to do to not be that bad child and correct myself. Um, And I would apologize. I'm so sorry. And and so as we progressed um, through some of those, um, you know, my, uh, my first daughter was born and when, uh, you know, she got, uh, and she, through the stress of the, uh, the pregnancy, and, and uh, she was beautiful. Uh, she was born a little early, and uh, she had colic. And so, of course, for those that might not know, colic uh, means that they, uh, they sing with crying, <laughs> A lot, and so she would. Uh, it was a little hard to soothe her um, in the beginning, and so we would. I had between my not being able to sleep and her crying, and it became really stressful for the first few weeks. And while he was home, he couldn't get a job, and so our little apartment got even smaller. And um, so I was. In my mind, I'm feeling as a wife, I'm feeling as a mother, and, uh, you know, he, I was packing his lunches, I was trying to get my daughter to sleep, not well, um, and so now I'm not even packing his lunches right, so at one point he came in after he was doing landscaping and uh, threw the lunch back at me, and that I tried to kill him because, I mean, lunches, we didn't have a lot of money, so they would be variations of peanut butter, peanut butter and fluff and peanut butter and bananas. And One day I just did peanut butter. I mean, for me, I don't like anything but peanut butter because, I mean, it's trivial. But when I had just made a peanut butter sandwich for somebody that was landscaping because that was all I could get at the moment, uh, 
apparently I had attempted to kill him on the job and um, as he threw it at me in our little kitchen, I I didn't understand and as he's explaining again that I'm a bad child, you know, you didn't you're not doing your job and this is you know, I'm I'm sitting out there and I'm trying to make money and you're not doing your job and if you can't do it right, um and so I'm so sorry. I I didn't know and I will mm-hmm. do better. Right. Um and this so, escalated this this never stopped really after that. I mean it was he just never treated you no, right. Got, he was just it, it got worse, right? No, we got it got physical. Um <clears> then it went to um you know and I don't know, you know, as as it went on it went into more physical and, you know, um more hands on and um it you know, there's a carnival game where you know, you're at the carnival and you're uh, trying to throw as the ducks cross and you're trying to throw a ball at something. Mm-hmm. Right. I, I kind of felt like I was dodging. So, you know, as he would get angry at things if I was not doing something. Um, and throughout the years, there wasn't a, an apartment, a house, a rental, anything we owned that uh, I said there was a a skill I had learned even in the house I own today that I actually know how to catch sheetrock myself wow. uh, because of how many holes have been done. And, you know, most women, if they know how to do, a, a, you know, construction type work, it, it might be because they want to, but not because they have to. And I, I said there's been more holes put in my walls and doors uh, because of dodging, um, you know, a punch. over the years. And right. A punch, uh, a, you know, an inanimate object uh, that's mm. been thrown at me. And, and then having to either hide it because somebody's coming in um, or even I've had... Uh, my furniture, uh, you know, destroyed. And having to hide those or do, um, you know, placements so that either family and friends are coming and they don't see those or make it look like, oh, you know, and I'm the one who has to um, make an excuse Mm -hmm. for what happened, uh, which right. I know that a lot of people do that, um, whether it's something that's on their body or uh, in around them for the excuses. Right. They enable the, the abuse to continue. Yes. And, and mm-hmm. it enables the abuse to continue. You're, right. You're ashamed. Absolutely. You don't want anybody to know what's going on. And you have faith that it's, you know, that you can make it better, that if you just do do it right, however that is, because it's it's an experiment trying to figure out what is going to be right. But you think if you just do it right, it'll all stop because it's you. So absolutely, it changed it changed my uh, it changed my career path. Um, I I wanted so desperately to make it right that it actually changed my uh, my what I went in for education. Uh, it's, when I met him, I, that's not what I, my education. Um, I wanted to be such a better person for him, and I wanted to fix things that it actually changed the education that I was going into to make things right. Wow! Um, so you ended up I taking a my, job. You ended up taking a job um, on Guantanamo Bay, right? For the mm-hmm. for the military. I did. So, flashing forward um, throughout our time, uh, we, we, as we moved around, and we moved quite a bit, um, he actually uh, got a, uh, uh, even though it's civilian, he got orders and a job to um, get uh, at the Naval Station in Guantanamo Bay. And so we moved there, um, in 2011 
and um, not quite a year, but maybe six months later, I got a job there as well, and uh, which was which was actually very empowering for me because um, most of the time in our marriage, I hadn't been able to have a full-time job. Um, it was quite an issue um, for us. Um, either I had to leave jobs or um, resign from them. Um, I was only yeah. able to have so many hours um, because his job came primary. Right. So this was the first real full-time job I could have. Right. And you eventually... Um, superseded him in um, in this mm-hmm. job, right? Eventually, you were above him. I did. Or over so, him? in I did. So, my uh, money-wise, he made more money than me. But the in the ranking systems that the uh, the government has, my ranking levels were. Uh, I was actually ranking I was moving up faster than him and so it that's what was causing an issue um between us and uh so I was in different meetings meeting different people and uh and so when I started my job he that was fine and uh it for him making more money was not the problem um in in the sense of it added to the ability for him to spend more money to show that, because he liked to walk out of the house and to be the Joneses. He expected us to dress a certain way. Um, He picked out my clothes. Uh, He picked out my daughter's clothes. Uh, He liked everybody to look a certain way and to present a certain way. And um, and so there was more money meant better things. Uh, but what he didn't like was that I had a higher tier, and he did not want to be my plus one. That was a problem. And so he would not acknowledge that. I was his plus one. He could not be my plus one. <laughs> that was where the support ended. <laughs> and wow. so, well, you know, it, it just was a continue. I mean, it was just another chapter in the in the abuse. You know, it's just another reason and, to create a problem, right? Sure. And even when uh, you know there, it, you know there was, so they, you know, uh, you know when they do announcements for positions, you know, even when my position, you know, they had announced that, you know, I had taken over the, formally, I was given the director's thought, um, and, you know, they announce and they, they bring up and, uh, it, you know, it's, it's a, in, in a gathering, you know, it's more of a social gathering. And so, you know, he was, I had been brought up in, you know, it's kind of like a, uh, in the same instance for the night that we were at somebody else's hail and farewell was what the military calls it um and so i had gone up for my um you know hail and and so they uh when they announced me he was asked to come up and stand with me he refused to oh wow Um, so yeah so and so that's kind of the pettiness that would happen um and so it it is it and that it's it was deflating for me because it just showed the lack of support that would happen um, as things were starting to change. Um, as long as I was below him, he would push out um, to people, oh, you know, she just got a job. Um, that's great. Um, but the moment that it became a job that, in his mind, became a, in, in his mind, was above mm-hmm. him then right. he no longer, he publicly would back off. Right. So with all this abuse, did you still think he loved you and you loved him? At the time, yes. Uh, as 
as it started to, as things were progressing in the last year, no. Um, I started to realize as I, I could stand on my own two feet and I was, I was good at what I did. And I realized, uh, no, I, I now, in the last year when I was cemented in my job and I could see all the possibilities ahead of me, I worked so hard in my education. I had two young ladies who were going um, further for themselves and, and I, here I am in mine and they were coming up in their own. Um, I know I, it's not that I, I, it's not that I didn't like him or I, I, I just didn't like what he was for me. And I knew he wasn't healthy for me. And I, I was like, I didn't want to do this anymore. And I had, I needed to be myself. And you, but you, but, but he sponsored you, and that was the only way you could be there, yeah. right? So to to leave him and, meant oh, that you would no longer be sponsored, <laughs> right? Yes. So he was yeah. holding that over you, <clears throat> and Very and that so. so that was the one thing that kept you tied to him, right? Very much so. Um, you know, I had ex- I had expressed to him um, in the last year that we could be better people no longer together you know at this point we had spent I had spent half my life with him and we had two children together and um, I didn't want to be married to him Um, we had a uh, uh, one going to college and one that was going to high school Um, I didn't wasn't trying to go any place but I did and I didn't need anything from him I didn't need any support from him uh, monetarily I could I do this myself. Um, I wasn't trying to go anywhere, but I said I didn't want to be married to him. Um, I wanted to be me, and um, and he was very clear that um, the only I'm only there because of him, and he could he could make me leave at any time. All he had to do was erase me from the uh, the orders, and he could have me leave. Um, and so. It was a it was a very chilling threat um, to have somebody tell you they could erase you, um, and so at that point I realized that I had to find, which is something that you know when when people start to tell their abuser I want to leave you, um, it's like a countdown clock. It becomes it it, it becomes dangerous it becomes something that you have to be concerned about because now you've notified them, I don't want to be with you anymore. Um, And for us, it did. It started to spiral even worse. Um, The abuse kicked up more. Um, The heat stalking, um, you know, his panicking and paranoia, um, threats, um, violence kicked up for us more. And... uh, it made my job much. I started missing more days at work, uh, and I had to tell people I was sick uh, because he would start in sometimes at 11, 12 at night or sometimes right before I went to work. And um, a few people did know. Uh, sometimes he was sloppy, and he would do it out in public. But, because he, um, he was drinking, because he, he was an alcoholic, right? He drank mm-hmm. a lot. He yeah. was. He did drink a lot. And, uh, and so then he, he went on these, you know, I'm not going to drink anymore, uh, which was a very brief, uh, I'm not really sure, you know, he would not, all of a sudden he wouldn't, and that would last for like a week, and then he would go on a binging spree uh, where he'd hide bottles. Um, or he'd sneak off and drink somewhere else. And then he would disappear. So then he'd get really mad, and he would disappear, and then we'd have to go on a hunt for him, which he'd done periodically throughout the marriage, too, where when he'd get mad, he'd just take off, and it could go from a few hours to uh, I would see him 
I don't even know where he would go. He'd come back the next day. Okay. Uh, and so he was. then he started doing that, too. Um, and so, so, uh, so that's, that's really significant in, um, in what ultimately happened. But let's, um, let's move forward to the friendship that you developed with, um, was it the Admiral? No, the Admiral, the Colonel, the I guess, the Captain, the, <laughs> the captain, captain, there it is. So you, you developed a friendship with the Captain that, you know, became very close, did. right? Did, yes. And I, I had, you know, throughout my marriage, um, it wasn't unusual that my husband, you know, he was, friends were very difficult for me. I, social, um, I, it was like having a babysitter. And so I wasn't going out. He could go out. He went out quite often, um, and yet I was very few and far between that I would get to go out, and then when punishment when he didn't like things was that at times some of my friends were, you know, no longer allowed, and I lost communication with some of my friends throughout the years. Um, so in a lot of places we lived, I really didn't have any friends. Um, I was his own. He was my only friend, you know, the us, us against the world. So when we got to Getmo, I, it was a little freeing for me because all of a sudden I had friends. Um, and I could, uh, my, my girls were older. And then and I did, as I was moving up in my position, our friendships did change also. And... Um, I did develop um, a friendship with um, the captain as well. And he did also recognize there was something wrong with what was going on. And uh, at one point he did want to report. Um, and I, I did very clearly tell him, you cannot. Um, because I have to... It left me in a in a in a terrible situation um, because I had no place to go. I mean, I could go right. back to my my family back in the states, but this is my career, and right. I wanted my career cemented um, because I really loved what I was doing, and I did this on my own merit, not because somebody gave it to me, not because somebody was, you know, uh, uh, pushed me, you know, gave me a favor. Um, I did all of this on my own, and I needed it secured. So before the report could go in. Um, so I was buying time. And it, he was a, an, another entity that I, w- I could feel comfortable talking to. As that friendship had kind of... Uh, continued, you know, my husband was relentless because any time I was talking to people that he deemed a threat, then also it became, well, then you must be sleeping with this person. Right. And, you know, but, you know, it was it's amazing to me because when people say those things, um, you know, if I were talking to a female friend, um, I... I I often find those interesting because if I was talking to a female friend, why am I not sleeping with her? Um, it's only got to be because I'm talking to a male friend that I must right. be sleeping with him. Right. Um, I mean, I dealing with people, dealing with narcissistic abuse. I mean, this is just this is just textbook um, of what they do. Mm-hmm. Everybody, you're you're having an affair with everybody. And right. So I have, okay. okay. Right. So but, so you know, things. So, yes. At one point, it, it did progress, and you know. There was a point where I I had cemented with him. I'm like, our marriage is over. I'm I am over with you. I want out. I want every nothing. And I I think I got very brazen with the we are done. I am here because you have given me 
and that's where the even in the title with Cage, you, you've given me no alternative. I am, and so I, I had gone. I had to do a conference um, or a training session in Jacksonville, um, and you know the book goes into where you know we were there at the same time, um, and you know it was a, a friendship that crossed the line. And, you know, that didn't cross again. Um, and people that were in both in a, a place that it just was in that bad, in a place that we were both in. Um, but he is, I feel for him in, in a capacity, but what he did for me was something that was... Um, it was not a uh, an idea that he was saving me or I had, um, you know, he's going to rescue me or we were riding off into the sunset. I've heard all of these things about the captain. Uh, he was, I'm going to ride off into the sunset. Um, no, these he, are all the false. These person. are all the false allegations that came up after <laughs> your heard, husband died. Right. I've after. heard all of these things. I've heard all of these things, and um, you know, and they, you know, he has a, he does have a wonderful family, um, and they've all paid very dearly for the fact that you know, and the uh, that we, they've all paid an extreme price on their own end too. For that one night, for that one night together, for one night, for for mm-hmm. four, for 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 one night um, that a friendship crossed the line, but ultimately, actually, they paid a price for it, it wasn't uh, for a friendship that crossed the line. What they paid a price for was for for an abuser who crossed a line and. Mm-hmm. Um, who who turned around and instead of taking his own actions um, and dealing with himself, he took everybody and decided to make his problems everybody else's problems. Right. And, so let's skip, you know, let's skip over to the night where he disappears and, um, and everything that went down. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so we went... Um, uh, we went to uh, a hail and farewell, which for those that might not know what that is, um, again, uh, a hail and farewell military, which they still do, them, uh, is uh, a hail and farewell is when you say hello to somebody and goodbye to the person. Um, so hello to a new person and goodbye to the person uh, that is already filling a spot in the military. Okay. Um, so it's a transition, and it's a informal social gathering, but it's a it's a traditional. Um, that's kind of a very layman's uh, ex- explanation of a traditional military mm-hmm. function. Right. Um, and so we were. This particular one was an invite only uh, for the uh, incoming and outgoing. XO uh, of the base, and the outgoing XO uh, was, uh, for me, the outgoing XO was a mentor. Uh, I really enjoyed him, uh, his time there, and um, I, it was a a very, um, it was an evening that I looked forward to. I mean, we all look forward to some of them because they, they're very social. And you get together with people you don't often see because, um, you know, in general, there are a lot of uh, department heads for, you know, they can be their civilian military. Right. And so I want to, um, Laura, Laura, let me just interrupt you for a second. I, I want to get to mm-hmm. the, the, the heart of this because I don't want to run out of time. So, um, sure. so yeah, so, so. It ended up with him. Explain how what made him leave. What why he ran. So we, throughout the evening, there was a lot of drinking, and we had gotten into. I was constantly pushing him away that evening, 
And we had, I was having a conversation with a friend of mine and he went to interrupt the conversation and I pushed him away. And that wasn't the first time that evening he went to butt in. And this um, was a female friend. This was a female friend, not a male friend. friend. It was a female. Mm -hmm. And it Mm. it wasn't, there wasn't anything uh, body or gossipy, but it was a personal conversation between two females who, you know, it wasn't anything to do with him, but he was trying to interject himself. And so I you know, pushed him out to say, it's none of your business. Uh, in a nice way. It wasn't even, you know. So he, at this point, there was a lot of drinking. And um, so as I went to get up, he wanted me to meet him outside. So we had gone into the alleyway, uh, and he had gotten really angry um, that I was ignoring him. And I wasn't paying attention to him, essentially. And I, and he went to grab me. And as he was grabbing me, really, um, uh, around my arms, real forcefully, I tried to push him off, and I told him to stop touching me. Um, And the harder he grabbed me and started shaking me, uh, at that point, we had a 30-day contract um, about, um, because I had asked formally for the divorce. And when... uh, I turned to him and told him we were done. I no longer wanted to be, the 30-day had ended officially, and I was no longer the divorce. I wanted a divorce. And we were no longer, I wanted no part of being married. And so as I'm trying to shake him off, I'm yelling, get off me. Stop touching me. I'm trying to push him off me. As he's grabbing harder, I got off him, or got him off me, and I'm trying to run away from him. And I ran through what was where we were having our party and ran through the front, um, and he chased me. And as I got into the front of the building, he started um, causing chaos again and screaming, um, tried to start a fight at the front, um, which was broken up. Um, I tried to ask for help from the incoming XO, whose response was, uh, well, then you should divorce him, uh, but otherwise go home. And instead, he sent my late husband to my house with my, at that time, 15-year-old daughter, and he sent me home with the, at the time, the public affairs officer. And um, all he was concerned about was, Um, getting everybody to quiet down, even though I was Mm -hmm. trying to tell him that my husband had just assaulted me and I needed help. And um, so I went back inside the, at the time, public service officer took me back in. We went into the bathroom and my husband came back inside again and pinned me to the couch and tried to assault me again, screaming at me. So he was taken out of the bathroom at that time she locked the door. We heard plates crashing, and I never saw him again. Okay. So he was gone and for two days. He was gone for two days, which mm-hmm. was unusual, and people went looking for him, and mm-hmm. um, nobody could find we, him, right? Right. They start, So the next day, um, so he, he was supposed to have gone back that night to the house, and the next day I went to the public service, which we were friends at the time. And uh, the next day, um, and of course I woke up and I was angry about the night. And um, when I woke up the next morning, um, I, you know, I have to go deal with the fact that what my husband was doing. Um, And so they, I was asked if I'd heard from him or if he, you know, went home. And um, I really, I was a little concerned of going back to my house to deal with him. Um, But then at that time, I was told he hadn't gone back to the house, Um, which I was relieved because then I could go home um, and not have him 
start into a fight with me. Um, but then there was, well, where is he? Well, it wouldn't be the first time he hadn't have gone back to the house. So uh, then two of the other individuals that were um, that were with me at the time said maybe we should start looking for him. So I said, that's fine. And I was angry uh, because the evening ended so poorly. Um, so we started uh, after I had gotten myself together um, and checked in on my daughter since he had not come home. Mm-hmm. Um, and we started looking for him in the same places that he we had looked uh, just a couple months prior where he had done this before. Right. And when we hadn't heard or seen or and no one had seen him, then uh, <clears throat> we had made the report that he had not gone home. Okay, and, and then ultimately they, they found, search. and then ultimately they found him dead, right? Correct. Uh, it would okay. be seven years ago today. Oh my gosh! Wow. Mm-hmm. Okay, so they, so where did they find him? Uh, it would it was in the bay. Uh, okay. Um, Coast Guard had um, found him uh, in the water. Okay. So um, your friends, the captain, everybody was, was, you know, trying to solve this issue. And I'm just pushing this along because we only have like nine minutes left. <laughs> um, ultimately, okay. so everybody was, was helping, you know, to try to solve this. And ultimately, what happened? Uh, he, uh, coroner reports came out. So we, as media broke, um, I had a service um, in Getmo, and then media broke, um, and then coroner reports had come out. He was three times the legal limit intoxicated and had um, an enormous amount of um, Prozac in his system, um, and he, they said he had drowned um, in this alcohol and um, they, it's fluxacine, so Prozac. Um, and, um, you know, there have been all kinds of reports of, you know, nefarious reasons. Um, but the coroner um, and when they had done the autopsy, um, his, they had ruled that he drowned alcohol at three times the legal limit um, and with Prozac in his system. Um, there, that is and ended up what they had ruled. And, um, you know, there is, there's nothing else that they could, um, you know, see in, in how they, uh, with right. my husband, no, no, I've had people right. who have wanted to, you know, you know, come up with and, and, and look at, and, you know, people have asked, well, did you want to look into this? And I'm like, if I don't, you know, I have, I, there are, to go into the what if, I could spend my life doing right. the what ifs or this and that. Um, and I said, but my, I spent 20 years with a, with somebody who was a roller coaster um, and did a lot of damage to me and my daughters. Um and to now spend, I now spent seven years dealing with um, individuals who continue to do um, or have attempted to do damage um, with us as well. And he can't right. be the focus I, for us. In, al- in allegations, right? And just out, sure. just in allegations. Right. right. So, so the captain we, was involved in this, right? To. Was the captain involved in this? I don't have I, to. I am not privileged to anything about other than where I was, um, and as far as where the case went with that, um, I had I was a witness for one day, and where his case went, 
I have not been involved with any of it. Okay. Um, I know. Was he charged? Um, was he charged with this? Uh, he to for where he went. Um, I know there was some obstruction, but I don't speak on the captain's stuff. Okay. Um, just because okay. I feel like it's more for me um, where. Um, I think that it's better that um, yeah, I think a I lot understand. of that didn't right, go that you well. Leave it, you leave um, it there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. But there, and there are stuff I, I don't necessarily think I agree with a lot of the things that um, just because I don't find that a lot of the things that were done with that were done well because a lot of voices weren't heard correctly. Okay. Okay. So as far as you are, you're concerned, you know, it just made sense that he drowned um, based on his inebriation. And um, for anybody that wants to know more about this, you can look up um, the, the, it, this is, there's a lot, a lot on this, on Christopher Turr and the Guantanamo Bay um, uh, situation. So, um, so how are you doing? So, so how, how are you doing now? There are good days and there are not so good days. Um, you know, we, my daughters and I are, and my family, are extremely close. And uh, we, every day, um, we, we are, we move forward and, and we are, um, we're very, um, you know, we we're uh, I think we're we've realized just how strong and independent um, we we are. Um, mm-hmm. We're a very resilient women, and uh, I am so proud of my daughters. I have watched them in these uh, last several years, and I am amazed um, every day by the two of them. They are uh, they are so wonderful and I've never been more proud of that's the women miraculous that's miraculous considering what they grew up in yeah absolutely I am um, they have become advocates in their own um, nature uh, the work that they do on their own is just by the people they are and I am so proud of them um, and so we, we do, we have good days and, um, and some days we're just, uh, as we are together, um, we're very supportive and, um, we realize that in, in our connected together there, that's something you can't take away from us. You know, there's, <laughs> you know, money, there's, you know, people can come and take a lot of things. I could spend all money in the world defending a lot of things and, you know, I can be petty like other, you know, and I can defend things, I can argue things, but I realize that the very core, uh, we, we just exist with each other and realize that we, that is how we, we do every day um, by being, um, we're fantastic, and wow. that you can't take away. So... What I mean, that's just that's that's wonderful. You've come so far. There's always, as I see it, when we look back at these situations that are absolutely horrifying, horrendous, uh, torturous, um, we can always mm-hmm. find a silver lining in it. And have you found one in this? Have you? What is your takeaway that you, um, the positive takeaway from this? I think the if there is one mm-hmm. positive, you know, I I do. I think there's always something, um, you know. There's the idea that you know, we hear for over the years. You know, I I got caught up in listening to somebody else's negative narratives. Um, I looked in the mirror and I saw what somebody else would tell me. Um, I went I have looked back in pictures um, and I realized that 
you know, when his pictures for 20 years never changed. Mine, I could, I could put out 20 years of pictures, and then there's, I, I'm a rainbow of changes, uh, trying to aspire to somebody else. And when I finally realized that I could just be me, that I could just, I don't have to, there's no resolution for the new year, just me. I'm just me. And I think when somebody starts to realize that I don't need to be anything else but me, and I am, I'm good, I'm great, just listening to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah. that voice starts to come back out, that is the silver lining. I, mm. I'm reconnecting with myself. I don't need to answer to anyone um, I answer to me and you know I'm a very spiritual person so I those are the things that I reconnect with and that silver lining is that I have learned to push out what somebody else had overridden and wow. um, it's it's that has become a, a really wonderful thing and then I can help share that too that's that's become a, a really, it's, it's charging, it's energetic. It is. And so are you doing better? Right. I understand. Better. I'm just, yeah. Right. And um, so the um, doing this work, I mean, I mean, writing this book had to be very cathartic for you. It was, um, you know, it's exhausting. Um, sometimes, mm-hmm. you know, I, I always have to laugh when I, is when, I, when I talk about the stories, it, it does exhaust um, me still, and sure. you know it, it takes a lot out because you know we. I'm sure there are a lot of others like me out there. We 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 relive the the moments, and um, it can be very emotional, and it taxes me. Um, it takes yes. me back into some moments. Writing the book did that. Um, yeah, and it does. I it, it is have learned exhausting. to have. I don't. I don't just hold myself up and say within me, I have wonderful support networks and I do believe in the phone a friend when I need something or a family member. And I, I also um, connect back with that when somebody needs something, don't, don't be by yourself. You're right. uh, You know, you're absolutely uh, right. It's, it's you must network. reach out. Right. You must reach out absolutely. because this is not something you can do within. There's just too much, no. too much buried in there that um, it's not. A lot of it is not accessible to you, and it does come up. So, um, so your book is caged. Um, I, you know, when I was writing my memoir, um, I, I completely understand what you're saying. There were days where I would put out a thing of cookies next to me. And I would eat the entire thing before I realized it because I was so, it was sort of like comforting to me as I'm eating these cookies. I'm eating an entire, I'm like, whoa, I ate an entire bag of cookies, but it was like a pacifier for me at times. So, you know, I understand. Yeah, I understand. But um, it's so wonderful. I'm so happy that you told your story and that people can now know the truth or make their own decision about the truth, but you've told the truth in, you know, as you know it, and you have left um, government service. You're now back in the States and you have two P two doctoral degrees, right? What are they in? Uh, I completed the coursework for um, research and evaluation and clinical psychology. Oh, um, awesome. So, Yes, I. So I originally, when I was 19, I had started out in speech pathology, and then when I realized that I needed, uh, I was working in real time life. <laughs> I thought I was going to help out my family. Uh, that's when <clears throat> I changed over, and I'd been working in psychology classes, but I, I was doing more out in helping other families along the way. Are you um, a practicing clinical psychologist now? No. Uh, No, I I chose not to license um, along the way. And uh, I had, I've done more in uh, 
I realized that it wasn't something that I wanted to license in. Um, okay. And, but it, you probably uh, learned so a lot more about what happened. Yeah. Oh, I did. Yes, yes. it is. <laughs> so um, we have to end the show. It, it's, oh, my gosh, what a story. Laura, this is, you know, I'm so sorry that you had to go through something like that. Um, it does make you stronger. Uh, it does leave scars. You know, but the past, you know, I say the past leaves scars, not to remind us of where we were, but to remind us of how much we've healed, you know. And and we can't live in the past, you know. We have to, um, it's not about living in the past. That's a lesson. That's a life lesson. We're yeah. supposed to take that life lesson and move into the future and make things better for ourselves. And, um, and that's what I hear from you. So thank you, for sh- yeah, thank you for sharing that amazingly inspirational story with us. I know that it touched many people who are listening because a lot of my base, my listening base is um, people who are experiencing very similar things. So I'm really excited that you got to share this with us. So the book is caged um, for anybody that wants to read it. And I can't thank you enough for being my guest today. It's been a pleasure. Thank you so much. I appreciate the time. Okay, Laura, take care. Be well. You too. Bye-bye. Thank you. Okay, bye-bye. You're welcome. Bye-bye. So we are out of time today, but if you have any comments or questions, you can email me at loveyourlife@randyfine.com. May joy and serenity always be yours. Goodbye. We hope you enjoyed today's show. Visit randyfine.com, R-A-N-D-I-F-I-N-E.com, and be sure to sign up to receive updates on the latest blog posts, events, and upcoming shows. Thank you for listening.